Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to another edition of the Steelers Fix. My name is Jeremy Betts coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina. I'm joined by my partner, who's at college right now, I believe, still uh, waiting for those holiday breaks, right? Coming up around the corner. Andrew Wilbar, how are you doing, man? I'm incredibly busy. We just passed midterms. I think I have one left this week. Um, that was probably because the teacher wasn't here this past week. But uh, so we're also doing a, in my church back at home, we're doing a youth conference. So we have um, teenagers from different churches in the area that are going to be coming. Uh, so it's a big event. Uh, so I went back a week ago to do some fundraisers uh, with our teenagers for it. And it went really well. Um, that's why I was a little bit under the weather last week. Just all the allergies. Michigan went home, came back. Now this upcoming weekend, I'm going to be going back home to help run the actual conference. Got some college guys going down with me. We'll go down Friday right after classes, come back late Sunday night, and then start back on classes on Monday morning. (laughs) So this next weekend is going to be a a crazy one, but it should be a good one. Hey, at least it's the Steelers bye week, right? You don't have to worry about as many things there. That helps. Yeah. (laughs) I think I think every Steelers Um, fan is saying Ali, regardless of right now, that's the regardless of schedule. It is about time we don't get don't have to endure watching a Steelers game for a week. But hey, you know, I, I was also going to say that, you know, anybody who goes up to Michigan for any length of time leaves with some kind of sickness or allergies. So hey, it's not I lived abnormal, there for 19 but... years and I did pretty well. <laughs> no, no, no. You you still have the sickness. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's just something that you'll probably never shake. Well, mentally, to you know, I can't but... do anything about that. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of teams, that's not changing. We'll see who we'll see who reigns supreme uh, the last Saturday of November. Yeah, I can't believe they knocked my uh, Ohio State boys down from two to three after a drubbing of uh, a high-quality opponent, especially in the second half of that Penn State game. I know Tennessee is good, but Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, that's the top four right now. That's a quality and, uh, top four. It is. Michigan and Ohio State will probably knock each one of the other out of that playoff race come the end of the year. See, I know this isn't a – I don't want to get too much into the college part, but yeah. what do you think if both teams are undefeated based upon just the strength of schedule? Yeah. I mean, would you put in a one loss Michigan or Ohio state over say a one loss Clemson? I mean, or even a no loss yeah. Clemson Clemson does not look good. And their strengths of schedule has been. Yeah. Poor. I uh, mean, Clemson I has put... a few Clemson has a few games to close out. That'll be a little yeah. tougher, but <laughs> I mean, even as much as I despise, your Buckeyes, I would put them in with one. Yeah. Let's, in the event, even if Michigan beat them, I would still put them in the top four over Clemson. Would, and, would you put them over a one-loss Alabama team? Though? That's the real case. That, that's the question. I, I think yeah. I think they will get in, but the question is who are they going to beat? Right. And how badly are they going to beat them in the SEC championship? And will that knock another SEC team out? Or do we actually see three SEC teams in it, which would yeah. be Insane. possible. Yeah, it's possible. Um the college landscape is crazy. Uh, there's so many good players. You're going to talk about a few of those guys here in a little bit when we do our two-minute drills. But let's go back to the Steelers' um, most recent appearance on TV. Um, not a good one, Andrew. And uh, I know you didn't get to see much of it uh, or when it ran originally. When it, when um, it ran originally, yeah. Yeah, so when uh, in the live viewing of the game. So you, uh, you, know, you came into it afterwards with – a heads up on how it's going to be. So maybe you have a little clearer picture of what it looked like, but to me, man alive, it was just 
uh, a total beatdown, <coughs> start to finish. You could tell the Eagles in the trenches, especially, um, and that's where it set up everything else. Were vastly superior to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even the offensive line controlled guys like Cam Hayward with relative ease over the course of the entire game. And I, I will say this: teams with mobile quarterbacks are more susceptible to higher sack numbers, even without as much of a pressure rate because the quarterback tends to hold the ball a little bit longer before making a decision whether to break away and run. So the Steelers end up with three sacks in this game, but that's an inflated statistic. They were not able to get pressure. The Eagles were just the better football team in basically every facet. And uh, you know, if it wasn't already a topic of discussion, the Jalen hurts, MVP discussion uh, is going to pick up some steam after a four touchdown performance uh, against the Steelers. Um, Don't know how much you, you gotten to see of it, but what are your thoughts on the Steelers game uh, against the Eagles this last Sunday? It was one of those games where obviously before I had seen anything of it, I already knew what the results were. It's one of those games where you could see the score, you could see the stats and you could pretty much know everything that happened in the game already the secondary struggles when there's no pass rush. And I know that's something that you're going to mention. There's nothing good to take away really from it. I mean, Mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett hasn't been good, but he also hasn't had a whole lot of help. The running game still stinks. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that Najee is never going to be good, but I hope that this teaches Steeler fans a Mm -hmm. lesson that you can't spend that type of draft capital on a running back every single time you can, even the giant, even there's several giants fans I'm friends with, even though Saquon Barkley is having the year, a fantastic year, maybe the best Mm -hmm. running back in the NFL right now. They, there is no way they would go back and do the same thing over again, taking him second overall. You, you, there, you find value in the mid to even late rounds or even undrafted free agency. We're seeing Jalen Warren, obviously, against a different type of defense, a defense yeah. that doesn't isn't showing the same sort of effort. I'm not trying to say that he's better than Najee or anything like that because he's not. And Steeler fans that are saying he is, you right. know, just cool down for a second. But going just across the league, I mean, Tony Pollard yeah, just had a yeah. big game this past Sunday. I believe he's, what, fourth-round pick out of Memphis. Yeah. Um, he was more of a Alvin Kamara in college, just a gadget yeah. guy. And he's become a valuable piece to that team. You can yeah. go pretty much every team, and the teams that are doing well – they didn't invest much in the running in their running backs. New England is the one team that is invested a lot in their running backs, but the one that is doing well, Ramondre Stevenson, is yet another yeah. mid round pick. Right. The it is not wise, regardless of scenario. If I was a general manager, I people ragged on Mel Kuyper for saying this, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. You cannot afford to take a running back in the first round of an NFL draft. Occasionally, it, yes, it can work out. But it's not the wise choice. The Steelers had a chance. The Colts were, from what I understood, were looking to move down in that draft. Christian Derrissaw has become a stud with the Minnesota yeah. Vikings. That offensive yeah. line, he and Brian O'Neill are maybe the best tackle team in the league right now. And the yep. Steelers, for maybe giving up a fourth-round pick, which was what in that draft could have been either Kevin Donson or Anthony McFarland, yeah. could have traded up Ooh. and gotten Christian Derrissaw instead. Or for a fourth-round pick, whoever the fourth-round pick was that year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. And the Steelers gave up a fourth round pick to move up and get Isaiah Loudermilk. Um, the Steelers could have probably moved that pick in and of itself to get up just those three spots because we saw the value of the other trades that were around that same area. Right. Could have traded for that. Would you trade Isaiah Loudermilk and the Najee Harris for Christian Derrissaw right now? 
I'd strongly consider it, <laughs> especially if you've got if you've got a guy like Jalen Warren in your backfield that we've seen burst out of. And I think he's averaging averaging some ridiculous yards per carry that somewhere close to six, maybe seven yards per carry over the course of the season at this point after uh, a really good game against the Eagles. You know, when he touched the ball, he was explosive. Um, but talking about that lack of, of running game, you know, not even about the running backs. What is this doing to poor Kenny Pickett back there? You know, he's slinging the ball 40, 50 times a game. And that is not what you want out of your rookie quarterback. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger will always be the comparison for Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett's the next guy after him. Roethlisberger had to do no such thing in 2004 when he was running the ship. And I know it's a different era of football even than it is today, but still, if you can't shield your rookie quarterback from the mistakes that will come from slinging the ball 50 times a game, then you're going to struggle. And uh, the Steelers can't do that with the running game at all right now in the early portions of the game where establishing a ground game would be huge to their uh, potential success as an offense down the road. I think some of that has to do with the offensive line. They're just not uh, a power group that can push piles, but also you have to look at not what Najee's doing and uh, you know, his style, his uh, patient um, more dancing lateral style. I don't know. It's, it even seems like it's more this year than it was last year. Like he's timid to hit the hole. So I don't know if it, if that's the case or not, but that style is just not working for the Steelers forcing uh, a lot of issues in the passing game as well. And then on the defensive side, you got to look at the secondary and we knew this coming into the season. It's not built to win games by itself. This defense relies on that front seven pressure to really work well in the back end. You saw it work well in week one, TJ Watt and company uh, crashing the pocket, forcing uh, errant throws from a really good quarterback and the secondary took advantage of that right that's how the Steelers want to win on defense can't do that without TJ Watt hopefully well maybe hopefully do we want the season to get any better I don't know as Steelers fans it's time to start asking that question but I think it will uh, with the schedule softening up and TJ Watt coming back but still you got to think uh, that Mike Tomlin at the end of the season I expect I expect him to still be around absolutely uh, as the coach of this team, uh, th- there will be plenty of scapegoats uh, to uh, remove, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Leave but, it, ta- leave it to Mike Tomlin to get rid of an offensive coordinator and find a replacement, maybe even in house, that will do enough good to get the team to a mediocre level, and then everyone wants to hire him as the next coordinator. Doesn't that kind yeah. of remind you of things we've seen in the past? Or maybe yeah. like an offensive line coach, like last year, like we were wanting to hire um, uh, the assistant uh, on uh, the, who was Clem. Clem? Oh, oh um, I, under Clem, I under Clem, yeah. and yeah. then promote him. Had a couple games, okay, um, but <clears throat> clear wasn't going to be the long term answer. Yeah. And then Pat Meyer comes in. Yeah. And, uh, well, we Pat Meyer's O lines in Carolina should have been an indication as to why he should not have been yeah. there coach here and didn't, yeah, we, I, didn't you and i both talk we about talked about that. It. <laughs> everything everything that has gone wrong with the steelers season people yeah. if you if they would have just listened to jeremy and andrew on the steelers fix four that's months why, ago we wouldn't be in the spot <laughs> that's why it's called the steelers fix yes right that's this is the show for it all right we had uh, a rough game obviously 
It's the bye week though, so time for a little bit of a break, a little bit of a fresh perspective. We're gonna talk some bye week stuff uh, later on in in uh, next week's show, I believe. Uh, but for now, uh, the topic of today. Uh, which we'll get to in the second half of the show after our two-minute drills, our customary two-minute drills that we do each week. We're going to talk about some changes that the Steelers should consider over the course of the bye week, uh, according to Andrew and myself on the Steelers' fix. The fix, we're trying to fix this team. It needs a lot. But first, Andrew, we're going to do our two-minute drills, and we'll start with you tonight. you got some college players you want to look at, and I'm going to set up my – uh, timer here and uh we'll get you going anything to say to lead into it or are you just ready to go let's go let's go okay andrew wilbar with his two minute drill prospects he's keeping an eye on ready set go let's start off in florida amari bernie linebacker six foot one 228 pounds had a great game on saturday seven tackles had a tackle for loss a pass defended two quarterback hurries and an interception this guy can do a little bit of everything um a little bit undersized a lot of people want to compare every undersized linebacker this of this prototype to ryan shazier does not have anywhere near the same explosiveness as shazier not anywhere the same range uh but this guy can do a lot he has great awareness great uh uh just understanding of what is going to be coming uh i i'm really starting to warm up on this guy if he can just bulk up his issue is only six foot one so you have questions about how much he can really add to his frame without really causing a detriment to his mobility uh but mari bernie is a guy to keep an eye on parker washington i mentioned him in lat in this past week's uh draft preview uh article that ran on saturday of guys to watch this past week he is, he did not he had not surpassed 75 yards in a single game this year and some mock drafts this summer had him first second round uh he's fallen down to you know that third fourth round range just based upon lack of production some of it's been sean clifford some of it's been the offense as a whole and their struggles but saturday even though in a losing effort against ohio state 11 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown this guy is explosive when he's at his best only five foot ten but he's got a thick build looks almost a little bit like an aj brown out there sometimes not the cleanest route runner but sometimes if you take him for granted you know he's going to surprise you and be able to create that late separation but a guy who can get physical who can win a uh, guy that i really like when he's at his best issues consistency and he hasn't been that this year but a good game for him hopefully will help boost his draft stock guy we've mentioned multiple times this year byron young another sack and a half this past week for tennessee he's a big part of that tennessee pass rush keep an eye on him Jalen Hyatt, man, Ten he seconds. a great job. So far, five receptions, 138 yards, two touchdowns, Zach Charbonnet, Antoine Green, guys. And then a future pick, JT, help me with the last name, Jeremy. You're the Ohio State fan. Tui Molau. That's it. Molau. Time is up. Me Let me name. go look at it again. It is Tumalau. Uh, Tumalau. or Tui Molau. Ed yeah, from Ohio I State, can't even Jeremy, you can pronounce it. Testify that this guy is the real deal. Oh, man. Can we just read through his stats real quickly? Yes, please. Let's do because it was impressive. Against Penn State, again, a 270 pound edge rusher, six tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, one pass defended, yeah, two fumble recoveries, and two interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown. This guy can do everything. He was incredible. He was the best player on the field, and that's, uh, you know, something to be said with some of the stars that Penn State has and also some of the offensive stars that uh, 
that the Buckeyes have as well. So top 10 prospect in 2024, hands down. Yes, for sure. And he was, I believe the number one overall prospect in his uh, high school recruitment class, uh, ESPN's number one overall prospect. So uh, the Buckeyes landed a stud and whoever lands him at the next level will do the same. All right, Andrew, I think we're ready for some, uh, some good and bad bets. What do you think? I think so. I need to get my timer set. We still got to come up with some of these, uh, you know, we got to come up with some, you know, big sound effects to start it off and I know. You know, really take this to the next level. But until then, good old LG Stylo 6 timer. Man, you still on those LG Stylos. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Go. All right, we're going to start out with some good bets today, some guys that you can uh, talk about moving forward, but we're going to start with what happened this last week. Uh, Running back resurgence, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, all these guys that you took at the top of your draft that you were hoping would be uh, the reason your team was successful, they were fantastic this this week. Uh, Dalvin Cook had the least fantasy points of the bunch and he had 25 and then we're talking about some guys who have come into larger roles in recent weeks uh travis Etienne and tony pollard having fantastic big games pollard making a case that he should be the number one back in in uh dallas and i think he's been making that case for a while uh moving on to a quarterback that has been absolutely on fire for three weeks and it's because coaches finally decided man this guy's an athlete let's use him it's justin fields Absolutely lighting up the NFL. He's got 20-plus fantasy points in three straight weeks, playing fantastic football. And then Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I had questions about those two guys, whether they could coexist in this Dolphins offense and both be fantasy relevant. They are proving that they can be with a healthy Tua. Playing the Lions defense did not hurt. But uh, Hill and Waddle working together well in tandem. Hill is on pace for 2,000 yards receiving this year, and uh, that – could easily be something that happens moving on to some bad bets we talked about dancing Najee Harris quit the dancing Najee just go forward move north and south and I think you'll have a better shot at being fantasy relevant again he's not fantasy relevant he's not and it's crazy we thought he was a safe pick another safe pick we thought uh Jonathan Taylor owners taking him in the with first overall five PPR fantasy points today, and the injuries have been an issue. He had one good week in week one. Ten seconds. That's a long time ago. And then the Rams offense. If you're not named Cooper Cup, you can't be relied on in that Rams offense, and that is a frustration <clears throat> for fantasy players, no doubt. I right. benched Tony Pollard in one of my leagues today. You did not. I did. I started. I started Najee Harris instead in my flex. Um, gotcha. which was a bad decision. Yes. I shouldn't have done that, but you played with your heart, didn't you? Instead of your, instead of your head there. Oh, uh, I was hoping that the sheer volume in of itself would be enough or Najee would at least get into the end zone. I felt yeah. like at least the volume would help, but that did not. And, uh, right now it's still up in there as to whether I'm able to win this week. It's going to be a close <laughs> one. So I would have started Pollard, Pollard. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Pollard was my DFS darling this week because of the fact that he is so cheap with, Elliot healthy and they didn't really make an adjustment for him being a starter. Then I started him in three uh, redraft leagues as well. And the one I didn't start him in, I had to choose between cause I had uh Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. So those two guys are obviously starting. And in my flex, I had to choose between uh, Pollard and uh, Travis ETN. And I went with ETN who had a good game. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't, 
it was one of those ones where your star Saquon had the not as good week and he still had 15 points. So not too bad, but uh wish I would have started Pollard. I think I'm going to lose in that league. And that's actually my family league. And I'm playing my mom this week. Not a good look for the fantasy head here. Maybe I shouldn't have put that on the airwaves. We might have to, uh, might have to delete that part. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can lose anybody in fantasy football. You can win any week. You can lose any week. That's the fun of it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to the real topic of discussion here. Changes to consider for the Pittsburgh Steelers during the bye week. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a doozy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers fix. Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar still with you here. And uh, I did want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, If you haven't checked out Jeffrey Benedict's cutting room floor episode from this morning, uh, you need to check it out. He's going to, he's discussing so much from the Steelers and, and what's going on with them, what they need to fix. Um, You know, you'd think he, should be a part of the Steelers fix because he's got all the answers there on the cutting room, cutting room floor. Check that out. And then later on tonight, a new Scobro show. If you can check that out live on YouTube, do that. If not, it's going to be anywhere you get your podcast. The behind the steel curtain.com family of podcasts is here for you. Three podcasts, three brand new shows every day of the week. It's the most Steelers content on the web and don't forget to go to the website as well and check out articles by myself and Andrew Wilbar, as well as the rest of our staff, Andrew, let's jump into some changes to consider. And I think more or less, these are yours and my declarations, right? This is, this needs to happen according to us. And I think a lot of Steelers fans are going to agree with some of these things. It's been clamored for when we get to number one, let's all say it in unison. Yes. Jeremy and I will say it in unison and all Steeler nation can say it with us. Yes, you can. And we'll get right into it. The number one change to consider is one, two, three, fire, fire Matt, Matt Canada. Canada, fire Matt Canada. You've got to do it. I mean, you've got to do it at this point, right? 13 points for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Eagles, a good defense, but you got to be able to put up points no matter who you're playing. And the Steelers haven't been able to do it against anybody. 10 points against the Dolphins who gave up a whopping 27 to the Lions today. And, you know, there's just, there's just so much that needs to happen. Andrew, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, Why do we fire Matt Canada? Why are we so passionate about this? I think everything at this point, <laughs> we have discussed this at nauseum. I'm sick of saying fire. I want to see something happen, but it, it's gotten to the point where the Steelers offensive coordinators have consistently been so bad under Tomlin. It's got to point back to Tomlin, either his inability to find the right coaches or he's the one determining how aggressive or conservative the Steelers offense truly is. And the offensive coordinator isn't being able to have a full say. But regardless, I think Mike Tomlin has to take some of the blame. And I know I talked about that in the second half of last week's show. Um, it it's a it's a problem in the Steelers' inability to find good coordinators. Again, it's not about Mike Tomlin's inability to coach, inability to be a leader. 
But this is an issue that could plague the Steelers from ever getting back to the Super Bowl under Mike Tomlin. I mean, you have yeah. to have guys who can call plays in today's day and age. You have to have people who can call plays. And people are talking about Eric Bieniemy again. Eric Bieniemy does not have a whole lot of experience calling plays. I mean, right. I'll take him over Matt Canada any day of the week. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But this, look at what's happening with Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. A guy who didn't call plays under Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is one calling plays. Some of Kyle Shanahan's assistants that have gone to other places. Kyle Shanahan's the one who's typically calling the plays. Yeah. Calling plays is huge. That, that's the only reason why I thought Matt Nagy um, had the potential to be good at first in Chicago. And the first year in Chicago, he did. Yeah. He has he was the one who was calling plays for a good right. part of that postseason, first postseason run with Kansas City that last year of Alex Smith and the transition to Patrick Mahomes. Nagy was the one calling plays when Reed's offense was struggling. Yeah. I, so find someone who can call plays. And again, if you're gonna hire someone, I, I'm tired from of inside hires. Just yeah. give Joe Brady a chance. I know he failed in Carolina, but he's proven that he can call plays and he's innovative. So we'll at least get a good read on whether or not this is Tomlin. Or this is Canada's fault. We'll at least yeah. see if Joe Brady brings in his offense because we're going to see one way or the other with Brady. We're going to see a major change in the offense. Yeah, if, he, if that happens. And you know, I, I don't know. I kind of fall on the other side of the fence a little bit too, with as regards to the new hire. You know, and we're talking about what the Steelers need to do right now. Fire Matt Canada. Yeah, uh, I think. You know, and we'll. I have another implication of that that I want to discuss here in a second. But just to, you know, kind of just throw this out you know the Steelers maybe they maybe what we don't need is uh new ideas <laughs> maybe we need somebody who's been established for a little, little while yeah. who's looking for a change of scenery um you know it's hard to kind of depict that or or find a guy just off the top of of my head um but you know somebody who just needs a, a, a fresh start somewhere, you know, and maybe Andrew, you've got somebody that, that could kind of fit that description. Um, you know, I don't know if Joe Brady necessarily fits that description because no. he wasn't really successful. You know, somebody who's been successful um, that just, you know, needs that, <clears throat> needs that change. Who, who, who did you have in mind here? You look like you well, when you brought here. up a guy who's been established, I'd bring up a guy who is friends with Mike Tomlin. That's Jim Caldwell. No, nah. a yeah. guy he's worked with Peyton Manning. And a lot of people, a lot of people egged on him during his time in Detroit. Lions fans should have been grateful for what, I mean, there was some miscommunication on the field. There was a talks that final week 17 game, his last game as head coach, when they had like seven guys on the field and th there were yeah. problems. Okay. And Jim Caldwell's offensive coordinators, Jim Bob Cooter, Joe Lombardi, um, they, they, they <laughs> yeah. were as bad as the Steelers offensive coordinators. I'm not going to lie. He, yeah. He's not exactly good at himself with picking coordinators, but in terms of his offensive philosophy, it's not the most flashy, but it is proven he did great with Matthew Stafford. He got that Lions team to the playoffs two times in four years. That's probably yeah. what Matt Patricia could do. And that's, I mean, I, I think I, I think um, Dan Campbell's the guy for the job right now. I think he's he's taking him in the right direction. But he hasn't gotten them there yet either. Jim Caldwell yeah. gave them some immediate success and some immediate relief from the previous regime. Right. I think Jim Caldwell would be a guy Tomlin would be willing to have on there. I think it's reasonable to believe this actually could happen just based upon his relationship with Tomlin and I, just the, his established quarterbacks, especially working with veteran quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, sure. like Matthew Stafford, guys who understood the game. Caldwell's knowledge of the game is phenomenal. I think he'd be a, have a great impact on the young Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and it, you know, you relieve a guy like him from the head coaching duties associated with with that, and just let him be the play caller and the offensive. Uh, 
or the guy who schemes up the offense and uh, you, you might find yourself a gem. I love that call from you there. Uh, fantastic. Absolutely. Just a random question for you. If the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels after one season, <laughs> would oh, you consider Josh McDaniels? hundred percent, hundred percent. I would, uh, he's got a proven offense as well. And but was you know, it, was it Tom Brady again? we got to bring that up. Was it Tom sure. Brady and Jimmy G or was it? I mean, he's got more pieces in Vegas yeah. with Carr, Adams, Waller. I know the offensive lines had its share of struggles. Um, I don't know. What, what, it, it, it is just a weird year for offensive Again, coordinators. It is, and, but but he's the head coach there too. You know, yeah. maybe it's the head coach stuff. Like yeah. Nathaniel Hackett coming from Green Bay, their offenses were always good, right? And but he never called the plays. You know, like kind of like you were talking about. But he goes and he's the head coach now of the Broncos, and they can't do anything on offense. And Matt the team's Nagy. A mess. Yeah, Matt Nagy as well. It's kind of a, a track record of guys like that. You know, you get a guy like Sean McVay. He's kind of the rare, uh, or and uh, Kyle Shanahan, kind of the rare uh, grouping of guys that are like, uh, you know, we we've been assistants and coordinators. Now we get our head coach jobs and we're Super Bowl contenders. You know, that's the and they you know, it's and they both exude a lot of confidence too. Yeah. And I think that's what helps win over the team. Some of these not necessarily laid back guys, but guys that are just that they're not necessarily ready to step into that leadership role of the head coach. They can take leadership of a certain area, a certain spot, but taking care of a whole locker room and having that confidence. Yeah. I mean, people are, I, I, no matter what it is in literally in life, people are always looking toward a a leader, you know, even, you know, when you see, I'm just using a college illustration. When you see, uh, a girl like ends up finally liking a guy typically it's because of confidence that sure. the guy has and stuff. So it's not because of, you know, that he's, you know, this great thing, but he's confident he has direction where he's going. Cause people are looking for direction. And I think that's the issue with a lot of things. Matt Nagy, what was the direction? He he's innovative. He understands Andy Reid's complex offense, but where was his direction? You know, yeah. and there was just so many inconsistencies that may be the same thing with Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. And uh, the one question I have about, you know, firing Matt Canada's, what does that mean for, for Kenny? You know, I think you got to make your decisions with Kenny in mind. I don't necessarily think that it would be a huge detriment to pick it. You know, some people may consider that differently. Like you don't want to change up the system or change up the play caller in the middle of the season uh, for his growth and development. But I, I mean, it's not helping him right now, is it? So uh, changing it uh, can't hurt any worse. You know, that's my thought on it. I don't know if uh, the Steelers will pull the trigger, but I think it needs to be done. You think it needs to be done. All of Steeler Nation thinks it needs to be done. You got any last thoughts on Canada before we move on? Let's move. This is the bye week. We should get a rest from. Sounds good. All righty. Okay. You've got uh, one that's actually a a trade scenario here. Uh, You know, so tell us about that. What do you think the Steelers should consider from a trade change uh, case? Nobody's gonna like it, but Deontay Johnson. I'm I'm not like it. even though even though <laughs> I like it. even though the Steelers just signed him, yeah, he's still one of the most inefficient wide receivers in the NFL. It, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, it doesn't matter who's the offensive coordinator, what the scheme is. He's not that efficient. He feeds just off of sheer volume that bumps up his stats, and because of that, people happen to think that he's a good receiver. He's okay, but he is not a wide receiver one. And, I mean, you can look at it two ways. You can look at the fact that he's making more than what the Steelers were paying Antonio Brown, or you can look at the fact that the receiver market has gone crazy up. 
and you know the Steelers got him on a bargain. I I wouldn't say the Steelers got him on a bargain based upon what the results are so far. There's a team in Green Bay called the Green Bay Packers that needs a guy who can just run slants yeah. and <laughs> catch the ball over the middle, something that Devonta Adams did really good at. Yep. And there's talks about DJ Moore, Chase Claypool. If Chase Claypool, I mean, he's gotten better with not body catching as much, which is key because if you if you have a receiver in Green Bay that body catches, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want you on the team, period. Um, yep. That's something that I think should be considered. Uh, if it, Trade Deontay Johnson to a team like the Packers. See yeah. what you can get in return for him. I mean, Deontay would be really good with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I think. Much better than what he's going to be in any scheme here. Yeah, the problem for that at this point is, obviously, you, you if you're the Steelers, you're going to have to eat some of that salary to get him out the door the way he's playing. The I mean, the Packers aren't going to drop um, a third-round pick and an – 18 million a year for the next three years you know that's the, gonna be the way the way everything's working i mean if the if they can buy into the fact that the offense has struggled maybe it's possible sure that the packers have a higher outlook on him than everyone else because there's talks that um there's rumors that the steelers are looking for a second round pick for chase claypool you know yeah. if the if teams are willing to give up a second round for chase claypool i'm sure there's teams out there They'd be willing to give up more than that for Deontay if, like you said, the Steelers are willing to eat some of that money. If yeah. the Steelers can get a return like that, I think you'd do it. Sure. It's definitely something to consider. You got to get some picks for this next year to help rebuild your roster. And uh, I believe the Steelers only have, is it five picks right now uh, for 2023? Something like that. Not a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot, and they need to get more. Um, that's why – you know, I'm going to talk about a trade here as well. I'm looking at the Steelers actually making a trade for somebody. And, uh, you know, we talked about the whole pick situation not being in the Steelers' favor right now with, you know, uh, I believe five of their of the seven rounds worth of picks for, for 2023. It may be six. I can't remember. I know they're missing a, a one or two. Um, but still, you got to look at this roster and how it's how it's set up and – uh, the secondary is not not one player away from from a fix, right? Uh, I think you can you can safely say that Akello Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, um, even Cam Sutton, who has not been as bad as the other two, uh, are not <laughs> not going to be who you want as your as your number two corner uh, in in twenty twenty three, or and by far not your number one corner. So, I think the the guy that the Steelers ought to be targeting here is somebody that wouldn't cost a lot. You could probably get him for a fifth round pick, probably get him at the most for a fourth round pick. You might even be able to, to give him a pick for a couple years from now. And that's uh Sidney Jones uh, for the Seattle Seahawks at cornerback. And uh, he's just not playing a lot for them right now. They've got a rookie in Tariq Woolen who is has come on really strong. Seattle put up another fantastic defensive performance uh, against the giants in, in on Sunday and now Wollen was a big part of that. And so you've got a guy in Sidney Jones who's kind of just eating cap space and, and warming a bench and and you know kind of a backup plan for if one of these guys get hurt. And we've seen Sidney Jones, who's an athletic guy who can run, uh be a borderline number one cornerback in this league. Uh so you know it's it's one of those things where I think Seattle's kind of hoping somebody's gonna make them an offer. Um that's why he's riding the bench and not playing a lot. You know, uh, 
risking that injury factor as well. That's, that's part of the reason. And so the Steelers could could easily get somebody who could help them tomorrow. <laughs> He'd easily be the number one cornerback on this team right away. And then maybe you've got a guy that you can you can uh, add some years to his contract after this year, and he can be a supplementary piece to maybe a draft pick that you bring in. And maybe you go from uh, from a secondary that's just not good one year to a strength of the team in the next year. Um, so that's just uh, a thought I have. What do you think about Sidney Jones uh, as a potential target here if the Steelers do want to bring in somebody, if they think we've got a chance at, at salvaging this season? I like it. If we're going to go after anyone, I'd say Sidney Jones makes sense because sounds like they're willing to trade him. He wouldn't cost a whole lot. The only concern would be injury and the Steelers have some concerns there, but you know, for something that cheap, definitely I'd, I'd have no issue with it. He was a guy that we talked about, you know, right before the season or not, or not necessarily right before the season, but a couple months leading up to it as a guy that the Steelers could potentially bring in and could be an upgrade over what the Steelers had. Um, And I, yeah, I like Sidney Jones. I think he'd be, a good fit here if he's healthy yeah i mean if you think like i just think about the potential for like uh sydney jones opposite a a uh, joe yeah. porter jr if the steelers go oh, that yeah. route in the in the off season and i mean you you go from uh a team with you know minka fitzpatrick and scrubs to a team with minka fitzpatrick and two really solid corners right away and uh you know maybe the depth of this team is a little better and you get a, a defense like the buffalo bills um in theory that can um shut down uh the run and the pass because you've got uh guys on all three levels that are uh star uh players and and your depth gets better as well i love cam sutton as a depth piece you know even a guy like Akella Witherspoon, a great number three corner. You got to like that. But as your number one, it's not working out very well for this. Not Steelers. Arthur Millette, Mark Cabali. No, not Arthur Millette. <laughs> what was that? He, he's he been okay in run support, I guess. But that's literally it. That is literally it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's not making any money for himself this season if the Steelers are smart. Which Are you talking Millette be- or Mark Cabali? Yeah, Millette. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know about. I'm not, I'm not trying to Mark Cavalli. It's just like, so, you know, I'm picking out. I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything like right, that. No, but no. It's just, you know, bad you know, take there, right? Yeah. Me. Are we watching, watching the same player? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. All right, let's go on to your number three change that the Steelers need to consider. You're pushing for this. What do you want? You say fire. I say Meyer. All together. Fire, fire Meyer, Meyer. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> I love oh. it. Yeah, fire Pat Meyer, man. He should have never gotten the job in the first place. Pass protection's gotten a little bit better, I guess. I guess until Philly. Yeah, I Six guess. Six sacks, man. Uh, and that wasn't because Kenny's just holding the ball back there. He got right. swarmed on four or five of those. Yeah. And the run blocking absolutely oh, stinks. Atrocious. It's not all on Najee, people. It, yeah. Mason Cole's done okay at center. He's not been bad for the you know the money he's getting. That's been a value signing. Uh, James Daniels been a little underwhelming. Um. In run blocking for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that. All I can figure is that's the scheme because he the, it, he was ne- that was never an issue in Chicago. That was the one consistency about that offensive line is that you knew James Daniels. You run behind James Daniels, you may have some daylight. Yeah. Um. And for a guy that's a little bit undersized for a guard, that's saying something. Yep. Um. So I don't know what has happened there, but uh, Dan Moore, he's he's not progressed at all. No. Um. Kevin Dodson was a, a turnstile again this week. And yeah. I mean, anytime Najee touched the ball, I mean, he's 
if he doesn't have a defender like right in his face already and he's just working to get back to the line of scrimmage, um, he's got a wall that he's got to try to decipher where to go. And, you know, he's not one of these guys that just hits the hole at 100 miles an hour. And and if it gets you two yards, that's great. If, if it gets you 12 yards, that's great. He's going to try to find the best, and uh, it's not working behind this old line. And Chooks is one guy who's benefited from Meyer's scheme in pass protection. He's become an excellent pass protector. But, again, that limits what you can do running on that right side because he's such a liability as a run blocker. So the, your options are either move him to the left side or you almost do like an opposite uh, way of the offensive line and try to build the right side to pass protect and the left side yeah. draw block, but then you leave the quarterback's blind side suspect. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, the Steelers have a lot of work to do. You got to find a left tackle for one. Steelers have put it off for too long, getting yes. a legitimate left tackle. People tried to down it saying Dan Moore would be okay. It, he's a swing tackle, it, and Steelers fans are starting to realize that. And uh, Chooks is what he is, good pass protector, woeful run blocker. And uh, Pat Meyer hasn't done anything else to improve this unit. Um, right. I know it's just one year, but he hasn't done, there was nothing on his resume to, to suggest that he was going to do it. I mean, he had some talent on that line. He did have that one bust from Cleveland a few years ago that um, came over. So he was counted in as one of the first round picks on that line. So sure. but you can kind of dismiss that one, but he still had a lot of high draft picks on that line. Then the fifth round pick that he had on his line was like Matt Paradis or whoever was the center who yeah. was phenomenal for him. So he had the wasn't pieces to work with Carolina, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah, and wasn't was he coaching when Trey Turner was there as well, and had his worst season been was for a short time. Yeah, I'm positive. I, the year before the Steelers picked up Trey Turner, he had like his worst season ever. I think that might have been with the Chargers, uh, and then Pat Meyer. Pat Meyer had taken over after Turner went from Carolina to the Chargers, but still, I mean you got a guy who just hasn't been able to put together offensive lines worth their salt. The Steelers on offense, hopefully on that coaching staff look completely different in 2023. And uh, we're hoping here on the Steelers fix that they make that move a little bit sooner. So that's uh, Andrew, that's uh, your top three changes to consider. I'm going to give my third one here. And I think that at the very, very least, the Steelers need to give uh, Jalen Warren a Tony Pollard, uh, Jamal Williams type role in this offense. And, you know, where it's more of a 50 50 split. And that's not just on pass blocking downs where you know it's going to be a throw where you bring in Jalen Warren because he can pop a guy. You know, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking on rushing downs where the Steelers need, need to pick up yards in the run game, you know get this guy on the field. One of the things I really liked that the Steelers did against the Eagles was their little wildcat package that they had. And uh, I think that if you could get uh, Najee with taking the snap there and maybe get uh, Jalen Warren out there uh, running the motion, running the jet, uh, or even as like a, you know, an RPO type guy, uh, that could be something that could work really well on goal line for this team. Uh, And I just think Jalen Warren's shown too much. And I know we've talked about, against what and in what situations but still it's the nfl it's the regular season and jalen warren is averaging double yards per carry of Najee harris at this point and uh you just can't ignore that too long and uh draft pedigree be darned <laughs> get jalen warren in the game man i think you know it's got to happen and um tony pollard proved uh, on sunday that he might be the best back uh, above Zeke Elliott 
And the Cowboys might be a little more willing to move to Tony Pollard because Zeke's kind of run his course there, you know, but Najee, he's only in a second year. The Steelers kind of feel committed to him and I don't blame them a little too much, but still, if you're in the business of winning football games, that's Mike Tomlin's favorite saying right now, the business of winning football games, Jalen Warren, it gives you a little bit better chance right now than Najee Harris, just because of his style of play. And when he actually does hit an open hole, He's through it quick. He's got some speed. He's got some quickness and some power. And you're seeing that in this game. It needs to be, I don't say, I'm not saying make him the number one guy over Najee Harris, but at least kind of give us some kind of 50, 50 split here and, and hope Warren can uh, keep improving. Yeah. For one, if Tomlin is in the business of winning games, if nothing changes, he's going to be bankrupt pretty soon as business. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yes. And even if this isn't something that lasts long term, there's still concerns about whether Najee's fully healthy. There's also has to be that curiosity of what if we preserve Najee? I know this isn't the Steelers' mindset. The Steelers never tank anything like that. I'm not yeah. saying have the talent to win and not use it because that is tanking. Um, I don't have an issue with trading things away because then you're not tanking. You're just playing smart business. But as it pertains to Najee, I, I don't see, I think it would be wise to give Warren, even if it is just for this year to preserve Najee for the future, when maybe the Steelers do want to give him a full workload. We can see that he's just not up to it right now. I don't think Jalen Warren's necessarily the level of a Tony Pollard, but if he's the hot hand right now, when you're, yeah. what you know, two and six, yeah, go for it. Why not? Why preserve not? Najee at the very least and see what Jalen Warren can do. And if he does fine, you know, you can go from there next year. Right. A hundred percent. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, the Steelers might be outsmarting themselves here and, um, you know, relying a little too much on pedigree and uh, another problem when you draft a guy uh, at a non-premium position, like running back in the first round is that now you've, you've, you've spent the capital on him. Uh, you know, it looks really bad for, uh, you know, this, this front office, if, if they move on from him after a year and a half. And like I said, I'm not saying move on from him. I think he's still a talented special back, but you know, a lot of what he was able to do at Alabama came behind the best offensive line in the country for two years. And, uh, and honest to goodness, that offensive line might be better than the one the Steelers have (laughs) at the pro level this year. (laughs) No kidding. And before he added the weight, who is his NFL comparison? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. And what did Le'Veon Bell need to have success in the NFL? Yeah. A, the best offensive line in the NFL for yep, two or three exactly. years. Exactly. Yep. yep. And that's the so, same. It can be said for most running backs, regardless of style. The ones who have right. the offensive lines are the yep. ones that are doing well. That's why offensive line needs to be prioritized to the draft. Yeah. Ahead absolutely. of running back. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, my hairline's already receded a tiny bit, but it's going <laughs> to speed up if the Steelers don't understand this concept pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. I, you, your hairline might be receding. Mine's going gray qu- pretty quickly here. So we we both got hair issues, and I a lot of that gray would, over no. Yeah, a lot of that would change if uh, some people at the Steelers organization would listen to this podcast. Amen. Like you listeners have done such a good job of. Thank you so much for listening. We don't say this enough. You guys are awesome, and reach out to us on Twitter, man. We'd love to hear. From anybody listening to this show, you can follow me at the bets 93 T H E B E T Z 93. And Andrew, uh, tell them where they can get you on Twitter 
to to tell you about the show and and what to listen to. Find me at underscore Andrew, or, <laughs> at underscore at Andrew <laughs> underscore Wilbar. There you go. Um, you're not gonna find the the content that Jeremy's gonna put out. He's gonna put out better Twitter content. But if you do send me a direct message, I'll I'll respond. Um, with a schedule, I don't usually post a whole lot outside of the articles and our yeah. podcasts and stuff like that. But definitely, um, stay tuned to everything man, behind the steel curtain. Yeah, let us know you're listening. And uh, here, here again soon, we're gonna do a fan Q and A, and we love to get more people involved. And uh, you know, part of the reason we both are doing this is because we were listeners at one point, and we we enjoyed listening, and we were like, man. I want to talk about the Steelers a lot as well. Uh, I like to talk. That was at least my my thought process yep. here. So, uh, you know, uh, get involved and, and let us know you're listening. We are excited to hear from you. And uh, that's going to do it for us, Andrew. Hopefully after the bye week, we've got some actual cheering that we can do uh, for the Steelers, whether that's in the moves they make or uh, better results in game it's been a crazy year, probably the craziest year that you and I have really seen uh, because of the presence of uh, stalwart Ben Roethlisberger. How much do we miss him uh, in his prime in 2022? Anyway, that's going to do it for us on the Steelers Fix today. For Andrew Wilbar, I am Jeremy Betts, and we will talk to you guys next week. Go Steelers. <laughs>